Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadu here tonight with... Nashika Caesar. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, one more person arrested by police in the central region over the gruesome murder of a lady near Mankesim. We'll be telling you more on what we've gathered so far. Also coming up, Ghana's first political party in government, the Convention People's Party, CPP, is demanding the resignation of President Akufado as it marks the Memorial Day for Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, the country's founding president. And later on Eyewitness News, the Member of Parliament for Efutu was on a campaign to make Galamse unattractive for all political party leaders as the issue comes back to the news headlines. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... Economist Professor Lord Mensah says he is unimpressed with the growth of Ghana's economy. That's in 50 minutes with Nashika Caesar with the latest in the world of business. This is Eyewitness News broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. Around the globe, we are on citynewsroom.com. Around Ghana, we are on a number of affiliate stations including Premier 100.5 FM in Takradi, uh, Beach 105.5 FM also in Takradi. We are also live on Greener 95.9 FM in Suyani. In the Ashanti region, we are live on Alpha Radio 104.9 FM in Kumasi and Orange 107.9 FM also in Kumasi. In the Volta region, we are live on Global 105.5, 105.1 FM in Ho and Adanu 107.7 FM in Adakluwaya. In the northern region, we are on Diamond 93.7 FM in Tamale. Upper West, we are on Westlink 88.1 FM in Laura. In the Upper East region, Source 100.1 FM in Boko. And in the Northeast region, we are on Scarp 101.3 FM in Nakbanduri. Do let us know what you make of the big stories by sending your messages to WhatsApp number Zero five four nine nine eight six nine nine six zero five four nine nine eight six nine nine six and still on eyewitness news our position is very clear. We are calling for the total scrap of the council based on the fact that they have shown gross incompetence in terms of the delivery of their mandate. The private schools in Ghana that are demanding the scrapping of the West African Examination Council, WIEC, will be hearing from both parties here on Eyewitness News. But first... Police in the central region have arrested the prime suspect in the killing of a female believed to be in her late 20s at Sikafam Bantam in the central region. The lady was buried in the kitchen of the residential apartment of the suspect who was arrested at his hideout at Akwankum in the Ikumfu district of the central region. A self-acclaimed pastor was also arrested yesterday in connection with the crime. The Central Regional Crime Officer Chief Superintendent David Jaba assured that justice would be served. 
That was Chief Superintendent David Jabba, the Central Regional Crime Officer. And he was speaking three, and so let me just uh, give you a summary of what he said. He said, we have arrested uh, the chief popularly known as Nana Clark. His accomplice was also arrested yesterday. The prime suspect is currently at the Regional Police Command in Cape Coast. What I want to say is that the people of Mankesim must trust the police to fight crime and protect lives and properties. You must also offer information to the police to fight crime. The police in Mankesim are capable of winning the fight against crime. So that's the policeman speaking. Let's hear from our correspondent now, Calvis Tete. Calvis, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. You started following this story for us from yesterday. Um, before we talk about the new development, for people who may not have followed the, the full story, uh, what happened? This lady, we, we had actually seen posters of her uh, being advertised as missing person. Now it turns out that she was killed and buried in someone's home? Yes, Sandra, yes. So uh, the police in uh, Mankesim yesterday, news broke out that uh, uh, there's a house in Mankesim, there's a dead body, a dead body has been, has been exhumed from a house in Mankesim just before you get to the Mankesim runabout. There's Kapoor Mansem community just on the left-hand side before the main Mankesim roundabout. The building where the residential apartment we are talking about it's just by the shoulder of the road, interestingly, just on the main Mankesim uh, to Thorson uh, Road. Yeah, you know, so that uh, the police yesterday in the morning went and got information. I don't know how they got their information, but it seems the police have been following up on the incident since last week Wednesday when the lady got missing. Apparently, the lady in question is Georgina Afsor Boti. Uh, from what we learned, is she went for an interview in Cape Coast. She went for an interview to become a nurse. And she went to sit for the exams in Cape Coast sometime last week. And so upon her return back to Yeji, we hear she's from Yeji. But we don't know the linkage between her and the two individuals who apparently killed her in the process. So she found herself in Mankesim. And uh, according to eyewitnesses around, they believe she was killed sometime last week, Wednesday, during the peak of the Mankesim uh, festival. They ended their festival last week, Wednesday. So it was during that time that lady was killed. The linkage between the lady and the man we are yet to to find out when the police finish with their investigations. So uh, the police went to the house of these uh, Nana Clark, who happens to be the owner of the residential property on the shoulder of the main uh, Mangasim Highway. And then they went there with one of the suspects, who is the man of God. His name, for now, we don't know. 
they went there with the suspect and then uh, together with the police team, they went there and they went into one of the the rooms, which apparently is, you know, the building is, is a storage building. So the room, one of the rooms, which has a kitchen, they went to the kitchen of one of the rooms and then they dug the kitchen. The kitchen was not cemented. So they, they at least there were, there were some heap of sand in, in the kitchen. So they dug the sand and then through to their words, they found the, the lifeless body of Georgina Asobosi. According to the police, the, the body is in the early stages of decomposition, sorry. And that uh, the body, they, they suspect the lady was killed sometime just last week. So they exhumed the body and then together with the uh, suspect, they went back to, 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 to the regional police command in Cape Coast. Now, early this morning, we also had information that they had arrested the prime suspect, who is uh, Nana Clark, who happens to be alleged to be the Tufuini of Aqua Chrome in the Fuzi area. So this morning, the police, together with the regional uh, police officers, went to Upper Chrome, where they apprehended the suspect in his hideout in, in Upper Chrome. Uh, the people in, 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 in Mankasim are, are happy that uh, the, the prime suspect has been arrested. Uh, the police, while addressing the media, also indicated they will get to the bottom of this matter and ensure that justice is served in the matter. So, clearly this would be a spiritual matter, but we're also hearing that there was an issue of sexual assault involved before the killing. So there was a kidnapping, there was sexual assault, and there was a pastor involved. How, yes, how, how, how are the dots connecting? Yes, Sandra. So there is another uh, information that, that I'm also picking around that uh, the lady was kidnapped, and then uh, the chief and then the pastor demanded for money from the family. So the family didn't pay. The family rather went to the police and began, informa- began uh, uh, tracing the steps from where the call came through. But according to uh, information I also got around, at the time the lady went to Cape Coast for the, the, the interview, uh, when she finished the interview, the lady told uh, one other colleague she was with in Cape Coast that uh, one individual is coming to pick her to Mankasim. So I think the lady who was with the, 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 the lady who had passed, one lady was with her. So she took the number plate of the vehicle that picked. They said it was a red vehicle. So that was how come they managed to trace the, the incident to Mankasim. Because uh, according to the, the lady who had died, she told the victim that uh, she, uh, a man is coming to take her to Mankasim. We don't know whether it's a family member or just a friend. So she went to Mankasim with the, the two individuals, that is the pastor and then the Nana Clark. So uh, information went around that uh, they were demanding money from the family before they released the, the daughter to them. So I think the family contacted the police and then they began tracing the steps and then they arrested the pastor and then the, the chief. But at the time, they had already killed the lady and then buried her in the room. Alright, so now police have two people in their graves. Do we know what else is going to be happening? Any, any other plans? Well, the police are, are saying they are not going to relent, but they are going to... They believe there could be a possibly third suspect in the incident, so they are still going to search more to, 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 to find out if indeed they will still get more. So they are actually calling the people of uh, Mankasim to also collaborate with the police and provide more information leading to the arrest of possibly a third of the standard. Very well. Uh, Kavis, before you go, there's another story you're following for the newsroom, the city newsroom, which has to do with um, conflict between two uh, local assemblies in the central region. Give us a quick summary of that story. Well, Sandra, so the Gumwa Central uh, District Assembly and then the Futu Municipal Assembly, I mean, there are issues with boundary over who owns what. Uh, sometime last week, the uh, Winneba youth uh, took it upon themselves and then went to demolish some structures which they believe have entered into the uh, Futu Municipal Assembly. They went there, demolished the structures. There were some occupants of the structures there. They also uh, uh, responded by 
I mean, trading insults and all that. But uh, I went to the scene sometime uh, yesterday. I spoke to the people who have been affected, and they are telling me that that portion of land indeed belongs to Bumwa Central and not to not in a Putu area. So the people in the Putu can't claim ownership of that land just uh, uh, in between a Putu and Bumwa Central. Now I, I, I spoke to the municipality executive some time back, and he made it clear that that portion of land is indeed for the people of Putu, and that they have documents to to prove to that. The Bumwa Central people are also saying same. The people who are occupants of the land, according to them, uh, the land was given to them by the chiefs of uh, in Gomwa area. And, and for that matter, they also have documents to prove to that effect. So we are yet to determine who owns that portion of land. Under. Very well, thank you so much. Keep an eye on that story. And I must say that there will be more on that uh, on the City Newsroom at 8 p.m. That's Calvis Tete, uh, our correspondent in the central region. Let's remain with the earlier story he shared with us, the exhumation of the body of a woman in the... Uh, Mankesim locality, an area known as Sikafon Bantem. Alex Kujo Apia is assembly member for Edumazi, uh, electoral area, which covers that particular community. Uh, Mr. Apia, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, brother. How are your community members receiving this particular news? Would it be the first time you are recording such an incident? Yes, please. And, and how are you receiving the news, your community members, I mean? Uh, uh, yesterday, the whole community was totally surprised about the happening yesterday. The entire community was surprised because the chief who happens to be a member. Please, are you hearing me? Yes, I'm hearing you. Please go ahead. Okay, yeah. The chief, the Tupuin, you know, the chief who was caught today is called Nana Crack. He's a Tupuin for three communities in Ekunfi Edumaze, Ekunfi Akakrom, and then Ekunfi Suedro. But he has been a very respectable chief in the community. So we least expected that uh, he can do such a thing. So when it happened that the body was retrieved from his premises, the whole community uh, were not happy upon hearing that. What is the information that you have? How did the body end up in his home? Has he said anything to anybody before he got arrested? Okay. Yesterday, I was away from Mankesim, so I was there around 2 o'clock when I had service, of course, from members from the community. So I had to stop whatever I was doing and rush down to Mankesim to the scene. When I went there, the police, together with the alleged pastor who was involved in the case, had uh being sent to the scene and he directed where the body was buried. So having shown them where he was she was buried, the police took the body and sent to the Kekus mock. And the pastor was detained in the Kekus. And this very afternoon the chief who took took to his heel was also arrested. And he has also been sent to Kekus for 
further investigation. The pastor, so, is he a known person in the community? Does he have a church or is just a guy who came around and then engaged in this activity? To be, to be, to be, to be honest, personally, I don't know him. But most of the members also claim that uh, they don't know him in the community. But uh, those around where the issue happened testify that he has been a friend of the Nana for quite a long time because he used to buy some items from those who sell around. So for them, they say they know him around, but they don't know the name, neither the name of the church and where he worships. So what is the suspicion that he sacrificed the lady because there was a case of sexual assault too. Was it that the lady could have been used for sacrificial purposes? What What is the understanding of community members of what happened there? To be honest, all what is going around now is all hearsay. Unless we hear from the horse's own mouth. I mean, the nana, the tukuhin, and that of the pastor. Because they have not spoken yet. None of them have spoken to the public, probably unless to the police. So all what is speculating are all hearsay, hearsay, hearsay. This two so you, you talk about. Exactly, mm. You may not know whether it's for maybe rituals or it's for maybe any money speaking or whatever. Unless you can tell from them. This Tufuhini you keep talking about, um, what kind of personality is he? He's a very respectable personality in the community. He has been serving his community. But having not been what happened yesterday, I can uh, uh, confidently say that some of us can lay our life down for him because of how he conducts himself in the community. Had it not been what happened just yesterday. So that made all of us to be surprised about uh, what he did. If indeed it's part of it, but the body was removed or uh, from your promises, so I don't think he can exist uh, from this issue. Very well. Uh, thank you for speaking to us. We'll return to you in due course for some updates on this story. Thank you for speaking to us. You are welcome. That's uh, Alex Koju Apia. He's assembly member for Edumazi uh, in the. Central region in Cape near Mankesim in the central region. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. We'll return with Galamse. Please stay. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka. In Accra, Anyagri Gideon from Garu says the suspect, if found capable, um, should be made to face the full rigors of the law to deter others. Human killing is gradually becoming a norm in Ghana. Drastic actions should be taken now. Uh, Man Sakara from Nungwa says, how did we get to this level? Killing for ritual purposes um, from Kasua, where schoolboys killed their own friend, to Wa, where security men are being killed and their body parts taken out, and now to Mankesim. Why, why, why? 
Kennedy Onipaya dear says uh, too many murder crimes across the country. Our security agencies must do their work properly. Ken says I think the security agencies should up their games because there's too much insecurity in the country. This government has failed Ghanaians in terms of protecting the citizens. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Send your message as well, 0549 Let's do something having to do with the examination body, the West African Examination Council. It has been in the news for a while now. And, um, of course, it's been involved in election coverage for six decades plus. Tonight we're hearing from a group of private schools demanding that the entirety of WAEC be scrapped. I have two persons on the line for an interview. Um, first is Reverend Victor Brew, his head of legal affairs at WAEC. Reverend, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much, Umaru Sanda. Good evening to you and good evening to your listeners. Good evening to you and I'll be grateful if you could indulge me and stay on the line because I want to hear from your accuser first. Alex, um, not, not Alex, um, I have on the other line National Executive Director for Ghana National Council for Private Schools, Enoquisi Jetua. Mr. Jetua, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Good evening, Omaru. How are you? And uh, good evening to my other opponent at the other side. N- not opponent. Don't use opponent. Just say friend. It will be more appropriate. <laughs> because you were saying that you you want to hear from the um, lady accuser. Accuser is not an so opponent. We are using a legal <laughs> term. That is why I also decided to go into that angle. Okay. So good evening to my my dear friend. You can say, you can say the defense counsel. Right. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, why why are you asking that an institution that produced your BEC certificate and my BEC certificate and our certificate should be scrapped? Why? What's the matter? Thank you very much. And uh, let me use this opportunity to good, uh, let's say, greet your cherished listeners this evening. Um, you know very well that education is very key in the national development. Whatever it is going on in education, stakeholders are, de- are responsible to comment on that. Over the years, WIAC has been, let's say, organizing assessments in our country. And we have witnessed numerous uh, saying of, let's say, examination and practices and all that. Last um, Friday, on the, two, on the 16th of this month, WIAC did organize a press conference. And one of the statements that they made it over there is that private schools are more or less um, epitome of people who are doing uh, impersonations in most of the exam centers. In fact, we don't want to take that word lightly with WIAC knowing very well that we are also a stakeholder in education. Whatever we do, if we have gone against the, 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 the statement or let's say the rules of the game, we equally supposed to be punished. We realize that in this year operation, before a child is registered, we assist the WIAC Center to actually have the bio data on each and every student. So we were expecting that WIAC will even use such information to prone the system having scannable materials rather than to just come out and, let's say, pinpoint the figure, uh, uh, fingers on us to say that we are the people indulging in such activities. In addition, 
if you look at the regulations of YA, private schools, stakeholders, being the head teacher, being the owner of the school, being a teacher, or let's say a parent, it's bad not to even enter the premises of what? The examination center. So how will you be able to ascertain that this person is the person who's supposed to do that? In this sense, we have seen that WIAC is just to show their gross incompetency. And if that be the case, then there's no need for us to keep on using the state money on them. Because they are the gatekeepers. They are the watchmen. If you are a watchman and you allow a sneaker to sneak into the, let's say, the exams hall, then what are you doing? Because we have entrusted the entire operation and entire conduct of the WIAC exams, um, let's say, in their, in their hands. Additionally, tomorrow, one aspect we have realized is that in terms of assessment, this kind of assessment where we wait for a long period of time before we box a child or children into a room to assess them, is not happening in most of the developed countries. And we expect that an, uh, an organization that has been in place for over 70 years, or let's say 70 years, because I know very well where that WIAC was established in 1952, purposely to do certain activities for this country and that of the West African, West African country. It is the same way um, when you go to Nigeria, they realize that the kind of activities or the kind of um, services they are getting from WIAC it's not up to their standard, and thereby creating their own assessment agents. So if you have heard of what of we are saying, that is the basis of our argument. Thank you very much. Okay. You have mentioned two things, but in your address to the media earlier, when you spoke to us earlier, you said that WAEC had outlived its usefulness. Is that not too harsh a word to use on on something as flimsy as these two things you've mentioned? No, you don't, uh, don't say this is flimsy. These are not just... Uh, I, I, well, well, the reason I'm using flimsy is that these are things that can easily be fixed and the body can continue to do the work that it is doing. But for you to no, cite these examples, the, the, the reasons, is, and say that is, the whole the body should be scrapped... That, that, the, point is that, the point is that if a body, knowing very well that private institutions are under certain organizations, and just go to out and point uh, and just without any, let's say, differentiation to say that some of the private schools are indulging in certain activities and use a collective, let's say, now to say that private schools are indulging in this. It is just a derogatory, let's say, sort of um, um, image that Wayek is creating for private schools. And there are well meaning private schools, let's say, Ghanaians, that enroll their children in the private schools. And the work that we are doing is not just, let's say, by uh, travelers or anything. We are legally bound to provide education in this country because when you read the Article 25, Clause 2, it gives us that legal background to operate in Ghana. So you cannot just also come out and, let's say, say something that you, you don't have facts to prove it. And if you have, if you have li- listened to what I'm saying, you have the data of the children. If you, you think that the, the children who are writing the BEC or the WASI are not a people who are supposed to do that, you deploy technology. Because their statement is detailing that the, the, 
the outcome of, or let's say, the advance of technology is causing a challenge for them. If at this era, 21st century, and you play a key role in terms of assessment, and it is causing, uh, technology is causing, let's say, a challenge for you, then what are you living there for? Because technology is also part of even the curriculum that the, the children are learning in their schools. So you understand the point that we are making, that at least for 17 years, if it happens to be, let's say, any human being, they have just uh, passed their retirement age, and then we have to retire them so that we can set up a competition for them. You know what? WAC is enjoying a monopolistic issue, and that is why we feel that they have not been able to, uh, let's say, put their ass together to ensure that sanities are in the, in the system. Okay. Let me hear from the WAC official on the other line. Uh, Rev, you, you, you have heard your, and I, I called him an accuser earlier. You've heard the points he's raised, for which reason he believes that the body that you represent uh, be scrapped. What do you make of the arguments? Yes, thank you very much, Maru, and uh, once again, good evening, uh, Mr. Jetua, my good friend on the other side. Let me say that it's okay to bring up issues that you feel concerned about. What I'm not too sure is whether we can, you know, respond in an omnibus manner as to say that our statement in the first place uh, indicated that all private schools, I'm not sure that is what our statement, you know, sought to put out there. Or, in fact, these were the exact words that were put out there. Secondly, I'm not too sure that Mr. Jetua really, uh, you know, knows the implications of what he's talking about. Because, first of all, let's face it, WAEC has been here for a while. You shouldn't throw the baby away with the bath water, as to say that because WAEC has been here for 70 years we should scrap it, or because there are technology issues, we should just do away with white. I, I think that is just being simplistic. You know, that that will not be the way to go. Look, we have institutions that have been there for 80 years, 100 years. Are you telling me that we should retire them, scrap them because they have challenges? I think nations, families, institutions have their own challenges, and I'm sure that even this National Council for Private Schools will have their challenges. You don't scrap it and you don't, you know, say we are no more a council for National Private Schools because there are challenges. I think, really, we have to raise the argument to a more, should I say, quality level, a more mature level of engaging the issues. I, I'm not sure Mr. Jetua really, uh, you know, appreciates the issues of assessment and the challenges that come with, with this. He's talking about going to develop developed countries and they are no more doing assessment the way we are doing it. These are policy issues. Governments have to take a stand as to where we are going and provide the required resources. Then the assessment bodies collaborate with government to move should I say the assessment regime to another level. So it's very simplistic. And I think Mr. Jetua uh, will help us when he submits, you know, uh, suggestions, inputs regarding how to, you know, better the assessment regime of, of this country. He's talking about Nigeria. Nigeria, you know, having established an assessment body. We, we, we are a five-member country, and we have our colleagues in Nigeria. They came up with another body. But 
let me tell you that should Mr. Jetwa go and do his investigations, he will come back with this truth that Wayek is alive and well in Nigeria and that the other examining body or others have not been able to replace Wayek. In, indeed, Wayek still is a leader in assessment in Nigeria. But to say that, the, the whole point will be, why will we not better an institution that has served us well in times past and has a promising future? Why would we not better it? Why would we want to uh, you know, scrap the whole institution with all the resources, with all the know-how? I think that is not a very good way of, of finding a solution to a perceived issue. And I want to say that we, I know that there is, there are plans to engage, uh, Mr. Jetwa's, uh, outfit for us to discuss and find, uh, should I say common ground regarding the way forward. I think that's a, a real, should I say, a matured way, a more objective way, forward-looking, progressive way of looking at issues. I mean, we cannot, as a nation, be, be, be taking very rash decisions because, you know, we have an issue. And I, I want to say that, look, let's face it, Mr. Jetwa is aware that Wayek is operating in a context or a societal context where this cheating issue involves, with all due respect, some parents, some teachers, some, yes, in private schools, some teachers may even be in non-private schools, and it's a big issue. Some security personnel have been uh, arrested. So, you know, simplifying this matter is, is will not serve as well. And I think that with due respect to Mr. Jetwa, I, I guess he should rather engage us, and we are prepared to engage him so that we can move this uh, you know, conversation forward and make WIAC better, make the nation's assessment, uh, pre-tertiary assessment regime better. Look, let me expand the issue even to the tertiary level. We know that there are people who cheat their way in uh, uh, tertiary level and post-tertiary level. <laughs> are you coming to hold WIAC? Are you going to say universities should be scrapped? I think we need to look at this conversation in a broader context of the societal, should I say, the moral values of society which has really gone down and tackle this head on. Wayek collaborates with government and we are ever ready to receive suggestions and improve our process. We will not run away from that. And okay. that is what every forward-looking institution, country should do. And I think I'll rest my case uh, at this point. Thank you very much, Umaru. Great. Reverend, so the question would be that you are 70 years, but have you been adapting and have you adapted to change now? Perhaps the things that you were doing in the past that were applauded may be a problem now. Is Wayek adapting quick enough to, to new trends? For instance, Telegram, a social media platform, appears to be the place where Wayek or Wasi students are subscribing to because they've heard of Apo and all of that. Is Wayek working on the social media space, on the digital space of things to ensure uh, that the, the, the candidates are not ahead of you? Very much so, Imaru. We are very much uh, involved and engaged in working, uh, you know, through technology, modern technology, social media. In fact, our monitoring of the uh, malpractices that have taken place, how we pick intelligence, have all had uh, very much, uh, uh, you know, to do 
with social media and, you know, modern technology and all. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been able to pick up intelligence and actually arrest, you know, uh, uh, you know, perpetrators and corporates. So we are very much involved with social media. And indeed, we will, we are very modest and humble enough to say that, look, 17 years on, why not? Everybody innovates, re-engineers, and that's what we are doing. This year's examination, for example, we have not had the same format. We've had some tweaking, you know, and, and these are our modest efforts. But, hey, it has to do with resources. <laughs> you know, resources must be provided. You can have all the plans, but if you don't have the resources to execute it, too bad tomorrow. And I must educate us, you know, uh, Mr. Jetwa and all of us that look Wired collaborates with member countries. So, uh, by implication or necessary implication, therefore, the member countries would, would have to come along with us as we go along with them to, 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 to bring along the resources, you know, to, to say that, look, this is what we need as a nation to move forward. This is how much it will cost. We are ready to invest so much, you know. So if we're talking, let's say, um, uh, education, we can't talk education and invest in some aspects of education without investing heavily in the assessment aspect. Because if you did invest so much in one dimension and you didn't invest in another dimension, we could talk, talk about teacher quality, we could we could talk about teacher training, etc., etc. But for purposes of our conversation, then we'll have to talk about how much investment have we made in assessment and quality of assessment. These are the conversations that we should be having. And, and I'm telling you what, if you want, uh, you know, jollof, then you have to provide all the ingredients for jollof or you get anguamo. You know, that's, that's the thing. And I think we shouldn't run away from this trust. Thank you very much, Imaro. Thank you so much, uh, Reverend. Let me go back and speak to Mr. Jetwa. Mr. Jetwa, you, you've had a response there. Um, any reaction so we can end the conversation? Yes, uh, I'm very happy about the comment and uh, his reaction. And that shows that um, uh, perhaps he has not actually also um, uh, embraced with the kind of statement that was put out by his outfit. So I will employ him to go and actually read. Because emphatically, the statement is making all private schools look like we are not actually going by the standards set for progressing or let's say projecting education. I'm very happy about for him commenting that they are ready to engage us and they want us to uh, come out with other uh, modalities and how to take things up. Our outfit is ready for that. But to say that uh, uh, when they go to Nigeria and other things, I believe that. My brother, if you are looking at things in a very holistic manner, the kind of monopolistic issues that uh, nature, the Wayek, is enjoying in this country is also one aspect of it that they have not even attained their attention to. And there's a need for us to see that if you are enjoying monopolistic way, we need to meet the standards that we are looking for. I'm looking at the point where you, they will be able to deploy technology to even deal with this kind of impersonation. Because you cannot say that you, 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 you are leveraging on technology and still now these kind of challenges are still pertaining. So for him to accept that there are challenges and they are working with it, then they should also regard that the, the, the fact that whenever they are coming out with a certain statement, that seems as very derogatory. They will now, they will even look at the way they will come out with it. Because for, for you to put a statement to say that private schools 
are involving in personation in terms of assessment, we, we don't take it kindly with them. And we are ready to partner them. We are forward-looking organization that is there to ensure that education strives very well in this country. And we will be ever ready to collaborate with them, give them the necessary support, the necessary advice, provided they will take and put it into use. Okay, now the question or the statement he made was that despite the issues you're raising here, you have not submitted any proposal or any plan to WAIEC uh, to be implemented, which has been rejected. Uh, moving forward, are you going to prepare a dossier that you would be sending to them? You see, the, 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 we are having this conversation based on the fact that after their funding, they disregarded authorities in the private education to consult us. And for that matter, we, we also came out to respond. Now we are having these tete-a-tete discussions. It is not difficult because these proposals are ready. Your guys who came to the office for us to conduct this interview, we showed them the comprehensive documents that we can submit it to WAIEC. And if they lay their hands on it, they will appreciate the kind of understanding we have in terms of assessment. And then they will put it into use. So we are ready to do that. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you very much. So that is the National Executive Director of the Ghana National Council for Private Schools, Enoch Kwesi Jetua. Uh, also earlier, you heard from the official of WAEC, uh, who is in charge of legal affairs, head of legal affairs, Reverend Victor Brew. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra. We will return shortly. Please stay. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra. Let's move on to some other stories now. Nashika. Right, as Ghana marks today's Nkuma Memorial Day in honor of the birthday of Ghana's first president, the indigents of Elembele, which is the home district of Dr. Osajifo Kwame Nkuma, have lamented the destruction of the area due to Galamse activities. The indigents believe the development has caused a stain on Dr. Nkuma's heritage. Speaking to Sitinese during the Maiden All in Zima People's Development Conference, as part of efforts, activities to commemorate the Nkuma Memorial Day, the former chief executive of Ghana Gas Dr. Sipa Yanki said any chief involved in the menace must be dealt with. Every chief in this country which is involved, who is involved can, must bow his face uh, you know, in shape, must bow down in shape. Every chief who is encouraging can I'm say, every chief who, who is supporting can I'm say, and supporting financing these guys, Chinese and Ghanaians, you know, they, you know, they must feel ashamed because they are destroying the environment. They are destroying access for posterity for, for, for next generation of our, of our people. You know, when they are doing uh, community mining, well-organized and not destroying the water bodies, fine. People need to, to earn a living. But to destroy the environment, destroy the, the water bodies and make water so scarce for our people to drink, it's, it's a crime. Yesterday, when I was coming out on the air, and I flew over the Prairie River, it was like a coffee or tea into the sea. And the whole area of the sea 
turn into you know coffee coffee or you know you know tea color. It's, it's not the best. So all the chiefs who are involved, can I say, they should be they should feel ashamed of themselves for destroying the future of the people that they represent, that they represent, and for also destroying the future of the youth, the young guys who are not yet born. Dr. Sipayanke is a former chief executive of Ghana Gas. On his part, the co-chairman of Inzima Advocacy for Peace and Development, Professor Kaku Sagri Nogu, called for an end to environmental degradation. We are also looking at the issue of environment, the environment degradation. And our resolve is to stop alluvial mining and to concentrate for deep what we call deep, uh, deep pit mining, as we may call it, where you can actually look at various places where there's a true, what we call it, um, success stories. Uh, Cape Town is one of them, and several other places. Okay. Then we're also looking at the issue of um, the behavior of the youth. Um, it's, the NAPAD is formed largely by a wide range of people. Uh, some of us have been in the system for so long, so you are just there playing the fatherly role. Uh, trying to control, getting them to be modest in their uh, conversations, getting them to be respectful, and then also taking serious note of the needs for their education. So those are the five areas that we are trying to be concentrated on NAPA. Professor Kaku Sagri Nokui is chairman, co-chairman of Inzima Advocacy for Peace and Development. Away from that, the deputy majority leader in parliament, Alexander Fenyomakin, has challenged his colleague politicians to a bold fight against Galamse. The Ifutu member of parliament says first-hand experience as former board chair of the Ghana Water Company Limited makes him appreciate how much more the company is spending to treat water polluted by illegal mining. The devastation caused by Galamse to the country's water bodies and farmlands is incalculable. While speaking at the commissioning of a fully furnished six-unit classroom block for for ACM basic schools in Sanko in the in the Futu yesterday, Mr. Fenyomakin lamented how politicians have allowed themselves to be clouded by partisanship in the fight against Galamse. President Akufuadu made me chairman of Ghana Water. I know how much it costs to treat water. And because we, the politicians, have made everything partisan, we are looking at the next election. We are unable to boldly confront the challenges that face our nation. So Galamse is destroying us. People are dying of cancer. People are dying without knowing why they are dying. The water we drink, you think it is safe for you? Let us confront Galamse. Let us confront the challenges that face our nation. I call on my colleague politicians, CPP, NDC, MPP. Let's come together, build a consensus on the key national issues that will benefit our people in the long term. That is what those Europeans and Americans have done. And we all want to go there. If we continue and we continue with this type of parochial politics, trust me, our country will go nowhere. You had Parliament Deputy Majority Leader and MP for Ifutu, Alexander Afenyo Markin. Now, three persons, including a female nurse, have been confirmed dead after a VIP bus crashed with a liquefied petroleum gas tanker at the Fumiswa section of the Kumasi Akwa Highway. 
The VIP bus with passengers on board was traveling from Asante Mampon to Accra when the crash happened at about 1.30 a.m. on Wednesday. According to the police report, the driver of the tanker was negotiating a curve to offload gas at a retail outlet when the driver of the bus lost control, hit the pavement and ran into the tanker truck. Two people died on the spot and the other person died on arrival at the hospital. About 32 people who sustained injuries were sent to the Ijisu and Jabin government hospitals as well as a private facility. Municipal Chief Executive of Ijisu, Samuel Odru Frimpon, briefed the media on the accident. Two people uh, got injured and then died on the spot. Then the others were taken to a Jusu government hospital and the Jabe hospital. So I went there together with the municipal police commander and other officers to the accident scene. Yes, indeed. When I went there, they confirmed the two were indeed dead. And then as we were standing there, we had an information that one person had also passed. So as at that time, three people were confirmed dead. So we were there when they called the towing car to ensure that the road is cleared. So we were there from 6 a.m. till 9.30 when the road was cleared. And the regional police MD2 commander, Mr. Adubwai, also came to support his men to ensure that the road is cleared. So that is the summary of what happened this morning. But how many people were injured in total? In total, about 32. And they were sent to three hospitals. A Joseph Government Hospital, Jabe, and then there's a private hospital around that area. So, how, how serious were their conditions? Oh, apart from the three who were dead, they were all responding to treatment. So, I can say that I'm sure by this time most of them have been discharged. Samuel Uju Fempon is the municipal chief executive for Ijisu in the Ashanti region. Now, the Student Representative Council of the Ghana School of Law has impeached its president, Wanda Victor Kuto. This follows a ruling by the Supreme Court of the Council for finding the president guilty of some allegations against him. He was alleged to be running the SRC-owned mobile money business with his company and diverting the funds for personal use. He was also accused of conflict of interest by using his company to secure a contract to purchase a vehicle for the SRC. The president, however, denied these allegations, but the Supreme Court of the SRC found the claims to be true. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF, and we'll be back with the latest in the world of business and then point blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News brought to you by First National Bank and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Let's now settle for the details. 
The announcement of the expansion of Ghana's economy does not seem to come as a surprise to some stakeholders in the finance space. However, economist Professor Lord Mensah is not impressed with the growth, asserting that the growth of this economy at the macro level is not reflecting in the pockets of Ghanaians. The Ghana Statistical Service announced yesterday that Ghana's gross domestic product GDP growth rate increased from 4.8% in the second quarter of 2022. This new figure exceeds the revised 2022 GDP growth rate of 3.7%. Professor Lord Mensah has been reacting to the development in an interaction with City Business News. The growth at the, at the, at the macro level does not mean that things are picking up at the ordinary level. The macro level, government may be spending, and uh, government expenditure is part of the growth uh, line. And so if you measure the GDP and you, I mean, you use the expenditure approach, you realize that government spending, which is we take chunk of the expenditure, it will still be improving compared to last year. Last year, we're still, I mean, coming out from profit. And so obviously, we should know that the dynamics of our growth, um, which is mainly, I mean, determined by the GDP. So obviously, when when the GDP is growing, I mean, the signal that government is spending, but not at the business level and not at the ordinary level, it's not an indication that we are we are we are spending. Now, this growth we've realized it before. Um, before the COVID, we were growing around seven percent and all those. But I mean, we should we, we didn't see that in our pocket. So. Um, it's not a growth that is surprising at all because once government is active on the ground and you capture GDP growth using the expenditure approach, obviously, I mean, you see a signal of growth. And so um, comparing this year to last, last year we're just coming up from COVID. And so um, definitely I mean, this year will be better than last year. That was economist Professor Lord Mensa. Now, the Vehicle and Asset Dealers Union of Ghana have expressed its disappointment in the government's failure to take their concerns over the introduction of a 35% penalty on duty on imported used vehicles which are between one to five years old into consideration. The Customs Amendment Act 2020 Act 891 intends to discourage the importation of second-hand vehicles and encourage assemblings of automobiles in the country. This has been met with utter dismay by the car dealers who argue that a new policy will collapse their businesses in favor of vehicle manufacturing and assembling companies in the country. Following several failed attempts to negotiate with the government, Deputy General Secretary of the Dealers, Clifford Ansu, disclosed that they will soon protest against this development. The law, the law has been passed and has been assented to by President. So we know now it is an act. It can be implemented at any point in time. But that is not to conclude that once the president has assented to issue by all means hacking, it can never be done like that. Because laws are made for men. Men are not made for law. And you cannot tell us that if you go to parliament now and you say you want to amend it, once that you have already told us that we can take a process and go and do the amendment, it means there is a way for you also to go and do the amendment before it can be implemented so that those of you are assemblers can be free and come and do their business. Because it appears that what we are doing and what we are saying or have been saying is putting a more or less fear also in them. And it's scaring, it's scaring them. Plus, you know that there are certain things that you can do to save the situation. And we are not doing. And we are not happy. And they are also not happy. So what are you doing as a sector minister? Is that how you want it to go? Or you just want them to come and establish themselves and push away your own people from the operations of their businesses? So what is worrying you? Now we should, we should go and take this initiative to do the amendment.
In fact, we are not happy with it. And we said that there's no way that we are also going to accept. We are preparing ourselves to embark on a massive demonstration against it and to kick against this particular policy. Clifford Ansu is Deputy General Secretary of the Vehicle and Asset Dealers Union of Ghana. Now, Minister of Finance Ken Foriata has reiterated the need for more partnerships between stakeholders as part of efforts to cap the rate of youth unemployment across the country and build an entrepreneurship system. He made the call at the signing of a Memorandum of Understanding with participating financial institutions for the U-Start commercial component, where the Ghana Association of Banks and 13 leading banks committed 5 billion cities from their small and medium enterprises portfolio to support young entrepreneurs over the next three years. Speaking at the ceremony, Ken Ufuriata noted that a package couldn't have come at a better time. The, the numbers of our population and the youth bulge is real. Um, it is quite clear that you can have a nation in which um, um, the public sector uh, can absorb um, this level of population. So we need to create a system in which people can be trained, um, can be entrepreneurial, and they also hire other people to move on. I mean, if you look at the population statistics of almost 37% of our people being between 15 and 35, it creates a lot of pressure. And I think it's incumbent on us to create a financial system and training and reward system that encourages entrepreneurship um, to take risk. And the partnership with the banks is really key to that. How do you diminish government in a way, strengthen the banks, um, but then risk mitigate um, so that they can give more resources to that? Uh, they have indicated about $5 billion over the three years um, through redeployment to SMEs, and that's what we're going to work with them for it to happen. That was the Minister of Finance, Ken Ofuriata. Finally, with the growing adoption of innovative ways of doing businesses in the country, industry players are being encouraged to leverage technology to improve their customer engagement. Many companies still rely on the traditional approach of interacting with their client, which comes with challenges and limitations. CEO and Customer Engagement Officer of technology firm M-Notify, Ronald Tego, stressed that Tech-based customer interaction options for businesses gives them the ability to constantly engage customers 24 hours without interruption. He spoke to City Business News on the sidelines of the 10th anniversary of M-Notify. So first and foremost, customer engagement has evolved over the period. The way businesses engage their customers 10 years ago has changed drastically and it's, it's the, the onus lies on businesses now to look for intelligent ways to engage their customers. One of such is AI-powered chatbots that allows them to engage their customers 24 hours even without the business owner being present. Now with this, you are able to, um, like for example, the chatbots that we have for e-commerce, you are able to engage your customers one any time of the day, you're able to accept payments and you're able to do service and get feedback from them on the quality of product that you are offering to them. And this, we believe, is one of the key ways that businesses can engage with their audience. Beyond that, we have an IVR solution and voice solutions that allows businesses to engage their customers in any local dialect at all. So imagine a politician wanting to conduct a survey in a local dialect in some parts in the northern region. IVR and voice SMS solutions are things that are easy to use and 
to engage with um, audience with. So there are a vast number of tools that you can use, but the most important thing is that businesses have to utilize technologies to help them effectively engage their customers rather than a regular um, phone call or manual ways of doing things. That was CEO and Customer Engagement Officer of tech company M Notify, Ronald Tego. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com and sponsored by First National Bank. My name is Nashika Caesar. Point Blank is up next. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. concrete and tangible about it as all interventions have failed. Though the government claimed that it is not perturbed or in the least worried about the situation at hand. They are telling us from their actions what they do tells us that they don't care. Intervention after intervention. As long as these interventions can, can let them rake in some money into their pockets. How can you have one menace having about six interventions? Almost all our water bodies have been destroyed because of Galamsey. The environment and forest reserves are all compromised. Today, Chinese living in our nation has also decided to venture into the cocoa industry. The voice of Nanaya Jantwa, she is General Secretary of the Convention People's Party, the first political party in government in Ghana, the Osajefo's party. The Red Cockerels Party. It's 21st September, the birthday of Osajifo Kwame Nkrumah. It's Kwame Nkrumah Memorial Day. It's a holiday today in Ghana. So let's speak to Nana Yajantua now. Madam, you're welcome to Point Blank on Eyewitness News. Thank you, my dear. Before we is talk, yes, it is Maru Sander, the one uh, you have abandoned. <laughs> oh, I haven't abandoned you, darling. <laughs> Thank you. You have abandoned me. Yeah? I'll, I'll come and look for you. I'll come and look Please for you. Do. Please do. Um, today is Nkrumah Memorial Day. How significant yes. is that day for Ghanaians and Ghana? Thank you very much, Omaru. Thank you for your um, giving the CPP the opportunity. And good evening to your listeners and your crew. And today, for us, the Convention People's Party is the Founders' Day. Because we know that and we believe that Kwame Nkrumah founded Ghana. When Ghana gained independence from British colonial rule, and Kwame Nkrumah announced the freedom that we have at 
the polo ground. On that day, he was there with his compatriot, who announced to us that Ghana, his beloved country, is free forever. So, for us, it is not a memorial day. It is a founder's day. Whoever wants to rewrite history, that is their own business. But we are saying in the Convention People's Party, and emphatically so, that Kwame Nkrumah is the founder of Ghana. The person who said independence in the shortest possible time, and the person who said independence now, and actually made efforts to exact the independence with his compatriots, with his comrades, for us to be free again. He is the one who is the founder. We can celebrate other people in other ways. But as far as we are concerned, as far as the Convention People's Party is concerned, Kwame Nkrumah is the founder. It is for nothing that His Excellency John Evans Atamil made today the Founders Day. Is it, today is, the, is it necessary to even be debating this issue of who a founder or who the founders or who the founder is? Is that necessary now? It is very necessary. Credit to be, should be given to whoever credit is due. The credit is to Kwame Nkrumah. Okay, but there's, there's a holiday. Um, what else does a CPP think will be more befitting if it's not a memorial day like the one that has been declared for the founder today? My dear, today is the day that was the founder day. Today is the day that Kwame Nkrumah was born. We need to honor him as the founder. We want to say that there's only one founder, and that is a strategy for Dr. Kwame Nkrumah. Nobody can change the history. When you go to Wikipedia, when you go to the net and you type the founder of modern day Ghana, it is Osage for Dr. Kwame Nkrumah. Wikipedia came after Kwame Nkrumah. After the death of Kwame Nkrumah, Wikipedia came after the death of Kwame Nkrumah. Why is it that even the instrument that came after, the information instrument that came after Osage for Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, saying that he is the founder. One day I Google to find out whether the founders of Ghana were the big six. Nothing came up. I wanted to be sure. But when I Googled again, Kwame Nkrumah's name came up. Whenever you leave the shores of this country and you tell the immigration officer or they look at your passports, they lift up their face to you and ask you, are you coming from Kwame Nkrumah, Ghana? They don't say that, are you coming from J.P. Dankwa, Ghana? Or they don't say that, are you coming from Akufado, Ghana? They say, are you from Kwame Nkrumah, Ghana? Everywhere, the whole world knows that Kwame Nkrumah founded Ghana. When the queen, Queen Elizabeth II, who just died, when he came to Ghana, who did he meet? Who did she meet? Sorry. She met a thousand photos of Kwame Nkrumah. He was our first president. We cannot take that one away from him. You might not like him. You might think he's a villain, depending your, on your experience with him. But he is a hero. He is a visionary. His work still leave on. You didn't meet Osajifu. I did not meet Osajifu. I only know about Osajifu because that is where my family is. My father, my uncle stood with um Osajifu to fight for the independence of this country. And my father told me stories and I read books. I was forced to read in Kome's book every time. 
But the point is that I was made, not thought, I enjoyed it. But the point is that today, we still talk about Osage for Dr. Kwame Kwame. We still revere the things that he did for this country. We still revere the independence. Please go to South Africa and see what apartheid has done to them. Then it will tell you what Nkrumah did for us. If we had waited for independence to be in the shortest possible time, who knows that we would even have had independence. But he pushed. He forced. He agitated. Together with the chiefs, with the women, with the people of Ghana, he brought them on board to get independence for us. And today, this is where we stand as an independent nation. Even though we are not economically independent, at least we have freedom. We can move about. We can call ourselves Ghanaians. Call to the credit of a subject for Dr. Kwame. Is it the case so that you wanted, you wanted the August 4th to be in Nkrumah's name and not necessarily we 21st don't even September? We August 4th. We don't even know what August 4th is. So you wanted what today to be called Founders Day? Is that what you, yeah, your argument Founders, is? Not to be called. That is the right name for today. Even not for generational vindictiveness. This issue wouldn't have happened. Generational vindictiveness because in common left the UGCC. And today we find in government the, the ancestors or the people, the relations of the group who were in UGCC and sent in Koma away. Those who were not for Nkrumah, those who thought that he was becoming too ambitious and sent him away by sacking him as a general secretary, they were going to make him the treasurer of the UGCC. And the compatriots together, they formed the CPP in 1949 to get liberation for Ghana and the African continent. Nkrumah was a visionary. If you look at the model of the EU, it was the, it's the model of the EU that Nkrumah wanted for Africa. But we never allowed him to do it. We sent him away. There was a coup. He was left in nowhere. And Secretary took him in. Granted that Secretary did not take him in. Where would he have been? All because of vindictiveness. When he was sick, he wanted to come home and die in the bosom of his mother. They denied him. I mean, Kuma was a Ghanaian. But whoever says you what, it does not matter. He said Kwame Nkrumah never died. At that time, we thought that it was about a physical death. But now we can see that we are still mentioning his name after how many years? After so many years, over 65 years, we still talk about Kwame Koma. The generation of today, see the legacy that he has left for us, the road. Today, you and I can speak like this through all means, electricity, because he had a vision, the factory that he built. He had a vision that Ghanaian youth would need jobs. He had a vision that you would need accommodation. That is why when he, he did any kind of economic intervention, he built a bank that would do what? Finance that intervention. Thus, we have the, the commercial bank, which was put together to fund the commercial sector. We have the bank, we had the bank for housing and construction. We have the Agricultural Development Bank. And we have the uh, Bank of Ghana. That would uh, regulate all these banks and also ensure that adequate funding and financing 
is given to these areas to benefit the people of Ghana. Whatever Nkrumah did was about Ghana. He wanted Ghana to be great. But we promised the people of Ghana that the CPP will make Ghana great again. Everybody thinks that we are in shambles. But in politics, it does not matter. A minister we can change everything. And we are telling the people of Ghana that if you love Ghana, where we stand today, we should all come together as one people and let the cockerel crow so that we'll be awakened from our slumber and deliver this country from the doldrums in which we find ourselves. Ghana will be great again. Ghana will be the best. No more will any pregnant woman, when we come to power, go to the hospital and die or sleep on the floor. No more will a child go to school under a tree. No more will anybody go home hungry. We have the resources. We need to use it for the benefit of Ghana. So the leadership of this country recognizes that they are servant leaders. We are not going anywhere. Now, Madam, you are celebrating and, um, of course, celebrating Dr. Kwame Nkrumah. We know what he has done, but his political party that is supposed to uh, keep the flames uh, burning, that party appears to have been, well, it is not a strong party. The history is there to guide us as to what happened, how it, it broke down. But since '92. If it is a party that was founded by such a strong man, why is that party still, you know, a very small party, considering its strength See, in the past? What happened to the strong man? The strong man was banished. His party was banished. The name of his party was was banned. Even today, certain people are after him, chasing his ghost, chasing his shadow. But we have done well, because we still exist. And we also add our voice to the political dispensation of this country. All is not lost. We might be in a place that is not comfortable, but we promise the people of Ghana that it is going to change. And it will change for the benefit of Ghana. The time has come for all of us, irrespective of your political coloring, irrespective of your belief, to come together with the Convention People's Party to change our fortune. The fact that we haven't won an election doesn't mean that we are down. The MPP has a stance now. Stayed in the political wilderness for almost 35 years. In 1992, they lost. In 2001, His Excellency J. Ekufo, God bless his soul, one of the finest presidents we have had. He came to power. The first round, the MPP didn't win. We helped them to win the second round. Because of organization, organization. And we believed that there was a need to come together to help this country. Today, the same thing must happen for every party, for every individual to come with us as one group to make sure that the MPP is taken out of power. This issue about breaking the eight, it is not for us. It is not for the people of Ghana. It is for their own selfish needs. After what we have been through, why do you want to break the eight? Why? Galamse. Big city. Anger. Everything has gone bad. And you still want to break the eight. Then it means that 
we don't even respect that. Today, when you buy an item of 149 CDs, you pay a tax of 30 CDs. Amongst those, ta- those taxes is the COVID-19 tax. That COVID-19 tax, we were told by the Auditor General that it cannot be found. The proceeds from that tax, but we continue paying. Where is the money? We pay taxes to develop a nation. We pay taxes to ensure that the people in a nation are looked after. Why do we pay all these taxes? But nothing happens. It is only Ghana that when you are sick, you are taxed. It is very interesting. If CPP were still in office, what are some of the ideals of Nkrumah that you think would be needing at this time of our life as a nation? Prudence. Nkrumah didn't even have a house of his own. Industrialization. Good education. Good health care. Affordable housing. Good roads. Good infrastructure. Everything that makes the Ghanaian okay. As Nkrumah did. And that is what the CPP would do. Lowering of taxes. More production. More exports. Less importation. Of course, in these modern days, we have the private sector, but we will not let the private sector lead. As one of my comrades said today, if you let the private sector lead and tomorrow, that private sector person decides that he's turning that factory into a school or into a hospital or into something else, what happens? Or into a warehouse. So government, as a CPP government, will be in the lead of industrialization to ensure that we create jobs, to ensure that we put some quality to finish product, production to export. We will not send our gold in raw bars. And that is why we are asking the government to end every, put a whole moratorium or ban mining in this country, both legal and illegal, so that we will negotiate whatever deals we have with the legal ones. And the government should do everything possible. Besides, they have even failed with Galantine. And the president promised us that he's going to put his job on the line. We didn't say it. And now that we have failed, why is he still saying that he should resign? Because we did not say he said that he's going to put his job on the line. It is the same thing. The day he said that Ghana beyond aid, that day he ran to the IMF World Bank for a loan. He ran for a bailout when he was in a conference saying Ghana beyond aid. The development of this country, the developmental agenda for this country has become rhetoric. Everything that is said is not implemented. And we are going to have an economic development plan like Kwame Nkrumah had. And out of this economic development plan, when we come into power, we are going to ensure that it is implemented. And we will put up an economic monitoring and evaluation committee made up of different people, intellectuals, no politicians, to evaluate us. And that is what we are going to do. We would ensure that we also set up an asset recovery committee that any government asset that has been taken we will investigate and get it back for the state. Today, all government assets have been bought. Houses for several servants at Laboni, at Cantonment, 
all over the place. Today, public servants don't have houses to live. Affordable houses are no more affordable. Nobody cares. Right in the streets of Accra, Kumasi, and other areas, and see the people sleeping on the street. It is sad. Sometimes I wonder if the government always leave their high horse and come down to see the living conditions of the people who voted for them. Without Ghanaians, no government can exist. Ghanaians are the people who make government. And it is the duty of every government. And when the CPP comes into power, we would ensure that the Ghanaian is looked after, the Ghanaian as well. You keep saying when the CPP comes into power, that seems like a very long shot considering your history since 92. Are you considering... You know, having a coalition of a kind with any of the existing dear, political parties? When it comes to politics, eh, two minutes can change everything. Except that the past two decades haven't changed much for you. So It does not matter. The MPP, they were in opposition for 36 years. Maybe we've forgotten. Under the UP tradition, we beat them in 79. Three months. 79. The PMP was in PNC. The PMP was the CPP because the name CPP had been banned. The people who led the uh, PMP, Alaji Moro Igaba, E.A. Mahama, my own uh, um, father and uncle, Kojobotio, Okochebekosho, and all the comrades who were there, Alaji Mohammed Fao, who was a member of parliament, were CPP. They had to be part of the dispensation because the name CPP was banned, so they had to use the PNP. So, so you don't see yeah. you joining forces with any party for the next election, at least? What we are saying is that the people of Ghana, you see, when you win an election, normally it's not about the numbers you have. It's about how well Ghanaians believe in you. I do not think any party, NPP and NDC, they have 6 million on their register. I don't think so. But when Ghanaians believe in you, and now we know that Ghanaians are fed up with the geopoly. And they know it is time to try the CPT. Wherever you go in this country, travel the length and breadth. I have the flag of the CPP in my vehicle. And everywhere I go, I am mobbed. Very well. Let's leave it here, madam. And thank you so much for speaking to us. You are welcome, my dear. That's uh, Madam Nana Yajantua. She's General Secretary of the Convention People's Party. Well, that will be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou. Production by Sixtus Dongulu and Bevlin London with Daniel Squashi on the technical side of things. We return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Good night. our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.